This is College Soccer Nation, the premier podcast for Division I women's college soccer with Old Miss head coach Matt Mott, Rice head coach Brian Lee, and special guest Duke head coach Robbie Church. Give a listen, tell a friend. Now let's go to Coach Mott and Coach Lee. College Soccer Nation, what's up? Here we are to start another Monday edition of everyone's favorite podcast, at least some soccer people's favorite podcast. Uh, my name is Matt Mott, head soccer coach of the Ole Miss Rebels. I am joined with the big deal, Brian Lee from the Rice Owls. And actually, we're going to bring him right in right away. The mayor. Everybody's got a nickname but me, Brian. That's kind of crap. Mayor Robbie Church is with us. I don't have a nickname. You know, everybody's got a nickname. The mayor, the big deal. Anyway, um, how are we doing, fellas? Doing well. Great. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Ready for a good episode tonight? We're all, uh, I was telling telling Robbie, I was telling Brian earlier, I'm like, you know, we're not going to really recap this past weekend. I think for the three of us, we're just going to go ahead and move on to the next next Please. week. Wasn't Please. a great weekend for the College Soccer <laughs> Nation podcast host. No, no. Uh, we'll we'll just kind of ran us over. So. Yeah, well, just we, uh, we, you know, I don't know if you guys know this, but the goal, see, it's this big white, these two white posts, this right crossbar, and the goal is to put the ball in it. Mm-hmm. And we struggled with that pretty bad yesterday. Mm-hmm. So anyway, mm-hmm. uh, we're going to move on. Uh, so first, uh, real quick, Chris Henderson's on today. So he is the guest. Uh, he's going to break down the power nine, uh, our power nine group that we like to call here and, and kind of give a little bit of a conference preview as, as most of those leagues are going into conference play starting this week. So pretty exciting week. We're halfway through and most of us have played 10 games or nine games. So the season is really half over. Now we get into the really exciting part of the conference season as we got eight more, Eight Mondays from today, boys, we will be announcing the field of 64 for the NCAA tournament. So eight more. Um, All right. So here we go. The big topic we wanted to discuss to start this conversation with is draws. And let me give you a stat. Yesterday, there were – and this is uh, compliments to Todd Yelton, who did this work for us. Um, 133 games yesterday, 33 draws. That is 25% roughly. That is a one in four games ended in a draw. Thoughts? One in four at games ended in a draw, just like the rest of the world, Matt. <laughs> is that the is that the level that we're at? I, I don't know. It's probably a little less than that. I'm guessing 20%. But, um, I mean, I think it's part of the game worldwide. I, I, the, the only question for me is how is the NCAA committee going to handle it? And what's that going to look like? And how different is it going to look? Other than that, I have zero problem with having draws. Well, let me let me just take the other side. And let me say, I voted for the I voted for um, no overtime. I stand by that. Um, my only issue is I, I you know I, I don't I never liked the argument everywhere in the world. Well, everywhere in the world, the referees keep the time on the field, and everywhere in the world, um, there's this and there's that. Everywhere in the world, there's only six subs. Right. We have this running clock in the second half where people can sub in every time the ball goes out. So there's no flow. So don't come at me with everywhere in the world. It's like this because we're not playing the game that everywhere in the world is playing. Correct or incorrect? No, that's very that's very true. I do think it needs an amendment if it's going to stick to alter the second half substitution rule. And is that going to work with with teams that carry 30, you know, division three, division two teams that carry 35 people on the roster because they have to do it for enrollment? What, yeah, that's the key part of it all, right? This is a cross-division, right. cross-gender rule, and that's how the rules committee works. So it's not – we're one-sixth at best of who this is for. Yeah. Yeah. 
You, if you want my, and I, Robbie, I'll get to you here, but if you yep. want my honest opinion, that overtime's coming back in another year. If I was a betting man, again, I don't. I'm not in favor of it. I would prefer. I, listen, two or three Sundays ago, we're playing at Sanford, and it's five thousand degrees out there. Uh, I couldn't have been happier when we got to ninety minutes and the game was over. I didn't want overtime. Um, so there are those situations, but uh, I don't know. Robbie, give me give us your thoughts. So, do we know any facts about? What's the difference in the numbers this year and last yes. year? Do we know that, that yeah. it's higher this year? Is it is. Higher? 10%, 10%, 10% last year, and now okay. we're up to – last week was 25, but we're hovering around 22%. Okay, yep. So I, I think one thing that's happening, too, is now coaches are like, okay, only have to defend for 90 minutes. I only yep. have to take time off the clock for 90 minutes. So, you know, we don't have to add when we're really tired at the end of the games and we make make bad decisions, team plays fresh players. So, you know, I think much much more teams are playing for the draws than in the past. Draws, you know, if we had a draw in the past, we were pissed off. We didn't want to play. We didn't want to draw. Now we want to draw. Some teams yeah. want to draw. And their whole game plan. And I think the second component in this is the referees. And mm-hmm. it's driving us crazy on the sidelines is the referees have to speed up the play. If, if a team is, is wasting time on purpose is a team is trying to drag out the referees are the only ones that have control here and they have to stop the clock. They have to give cards. They've got to speed up the game. If they feel a team is, is, is wasting time on purpose or yeah. I feel they have to, I think that that is thing. And then a third point for Matt, I'm, I'm with you. <laughs> I think this thing does come back because of just the points that you guys made. If not, we have to alter the second half substitution rules i'm really not sure that would ever pass um those rules in the second half because of of the college soccer and how everybody's designed and with teams with 35 to 40 40 players so i do think it will come back but i just you know i think it's all because now we've coaches feel we got 90 minutes we can you know we can waste 30 minutes of that of of retrieving balls and making sure we have five-year-old ball people and make sure the ball people kick balls away yeah. And, you know, do all kinds of tactics to uh, do that. And I think, you know, in some some ways, the referees have to play a part in this, too. Well, well and that, you know, the right committees, right. the committee for the rules is I want to say it's eight. I was on it for four years. Terrible, terrible four years. Really boring. Um, <laughs> why, why what'd, you, what'd you get? Oh. What'd you get done during those four years? Oh, uh, nothing. I, I was just there with a blank stare. But um, this didn't get done. I, I tell you that. The uh, but there is only one Division One woman and one Division One men's representative in that group, and everybody's got one vote. And you're dealing with administrators or half the people, like every NCAA committee. Uh, so I don't, I don't, I think it's far from a guarantee it's coming back. But I do agree the subs is going to be hard to add. Yeah, I I don't disagree with that, Brian. Because thinking back through that, yeah, this obviously this committee put it in place, so they're going to be hard pressed. And now there'll be no new members, and there may be more of an outcry survey wise, and and right. so on and so forth. Exactly. But Robbie, you're right. I I'd say this, and again, I, I'm going to give Todd Young credit again. He gave he said this to me. He said, you know, teams can fight when they know there's ten minutes left and there's zero zero one one, a lot more than they can fight if they know they're one one. There's thirty minutes left. Sure. You know what I mean? And to, to hang on and like you said, kill the game off and sub like crazy. And there's uh there is um it's it's I don't know it's going smoothly if if one in ten were draws the last few years and now we're up to one every four or five is a draw. Um 
But it's, that was the percentage of, of draws that get a result after as well. It's about half in the past. So mm-hmm. we're not getting that many more games that would have gone to overtime. It was 20% in the past that 10% got a result. Does okay. that make sense? So yeah. 20% of games were already. So we're somewhere between 2 and 4% of games being extended. But I do agree it's a mindset and the subbing rule. And the subbing rule, how fast can you kill the clock with 20 minutes left? If, you, if the ball goes out four times and you sub four times, that's that's two of the minutes. It's 10% yeah. of the game yeah. by the time they're yeah. on and off. I did watch a game last night, Gardner-Webb Charlotte, 3-3 draw, high drama, 1-3 with 15 minutes left. It, it just exciting Division One women's soccer at its best. But the referees started stopping the clock on everything, throw-ins, everything the last maybe five minutes. It was, it was interesting. Well, maybe that's, maybe that's it, Churchy. Maybe, you know, that's been a big, pl- a big thing here of, do we have the time kept on the field by the referee? Yep. Um, you know, I think a lot of the argument was, do we want to give the referees more and more responsibility based on last night? My answer would be no, <laughs> but um, you know, so um, do we do that, you know, and, and, and does that help? I, I don't know, but that may be the way he does. Cause you're right, Churchy. I mean, teams are taking forever to get the ball in and, you know, if they do it at the 42nd minute, no one really cares, but right, that time right. continues to add up for sure. Yeah, yeah, for sure. No, I, I, I agree too. The other thing that jumps out is, is just how many, like this weekend, like Sunday, how many goals, I mean, how many zero zero times? Yeah. They were, yeah. I mean, looking through the scores, looking through everything today for the ranking committees and different things that everybody's on. Oh my God. Yeah. You know, and, and, you know, I, I, I think there's, there's even teams out there have already set NCA records for zero. Irwin. Irwin, Irwin, I think I heard Five I heard Indian Hoosiers, five yeah. nil nil draws. So Get your season a, tickets now. <laughs> Rush to the gate. Yeah. Someone that's yelled at me because someone yelled at me because I had him in the bottom tier of the, the big 10 and <laughs> hmm, something tells me that's starting to look pretty good. Anyway. All right, here we go. Let's, <laughs> let's keep it moving. Uh, we're going to go straight into team of the weeks, team of the weeks. So I'm going first with my power nine team of the week is the, who is Rutgers? The Scarlet Knights and Rutgers went over the South three, one, then an unbelievable performance last night or yesterday, yesterday afternoon. Sorry. Against LSU go down to nothing on two, um, you know, mistakes and looks dead in the water. Can't do anything in the first half. Come out. I don't know what Mike said at halftime, but it must have been awesome because they came out flying, scored one right away, which I think when you're down like that, that's what you want, right? Then got the second one about middle of the way. And then I thought it looked like, yeah, you know what? LSU might might pull a draw out here. And then the player for them, number I can't remember her name. That's terrible. I'm, I'm escaping me, but she takes a touch and just hits a worldy banger. Um, side netting with about five minutes to go. They hold on and cut or they come back to win three two. So my team of the week to stay undefeated and untied is the Rutgers Scarlet Knights. Who wants to go next? I'll go next. That's yep. a, that, that's a good one though, Matt. I'm and I'm also going to stay in the end. My team of the week is Northwestern Wildcats. Okay. Yes. Thursday yes, night, yeah. last Thursday, beating Stanford one yeah. nothing. Okay. Hey, where, hey, Churchy, real quick, where was that game? I'm I'm pretty sure it was at Northwestern. It was. So the, is that Northwestern, Brian? So they came across country to play? Yeah. Another one of those teams that no, came across country. So Pac-12 right, Pac came it, over to Big Ten 
a Big Ten team. That's that's that that's Can you address the, the point on this that Matt is missing that I say? If if they are scheduled to do it more in their conference, they won't do it in the non-conference. Oh. Matt, is, Matt is actually continually making my point. No, no, no. So wait. So Very wait, strange because so, these so games are, are great. No, no. So they are going to they are going to come across though in conference play. You're saying now because before your argument was they'll never come across in conference play. That was your argument. And well, UCLA really and USC are never yeah. going to play. They're, they're, they're not going to play Rutgers. Giving Northwestern the credit that they deserve. Yes, yes. Let's get back to Northwestern beat Stanford one nothing at their place Thursday night and then followed it up with a rival game of beating Butler one nothing also, too. So that's a good for those two shutouts yes. of the week. My team of the week is the Northwestern Wildcats. Like it. Right? All right, mine's and we might have hit them before. Eric Bell and Higgy's fighting horn frogs. Huge Texas Derby. Only the second time TCU has ever beaten A and M. Two oh, really? one in College Station, and they followed it up with a a thorough beating of a very good Texas State team that's going to win a ton of games on Sunday in what's basically a trap game. Uh, yeah, away to sure. Texas State coming off A and M. So impressive weekend by the frogs. For sure. No doubt. All right, non-nine, non-nine team of the week. I am going, I think is the very obvious, with VCU. Oh, that's is that you? <laughs> yeah, another one, and only VCU. have one, and only have one. <laughs> so wow. we can share it. I only have one too. Sure. We can share it. Uh, VCU, right? <laughs> probably when that popped up on the schedule. I don't know. I do know the VCU coach. I think she probably thought, boy, that's going to be a tough weekend, and to go and beat Pitt. And then head down to um, Charlottesville yep. to knock or to tie, uh, you know, one of the best teams in the country in Virginia. Uh, well done, VCU! Congratulations. That is my non-nine team of the week. Same as Churchy. Is that yours as well? Yes, yes, it is. Out of the Atlantic Ten. But you know what's interesting? Here's here's a team too that look at the draws. Two yeah, five draws. One in five. Yeah, that's that's the that's a draw that they have. And I, and I think they played another ACC team earlier in the year and maybe had one of those five draws have been for them. But but again, well done. That's a that's an absolutely great week with two ACC teams and Pittsburgh's a good team. And obviously, yeah. we all know about Virginia and uh, for them to get those results is fantastic. So, Robbie, what you're telling us is we all sit around and say the ACC is the world's greatest, yada, 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 kill everybody. Should I you, shut up, you, Matt, last week? You mean, Chris, yeah. I shut up, Matt? Yeah. That was fun, too. That was you, fun. You just said VCU has five points in three games against the ACC. So Ooh. VCU's already clinched 12 in the league right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, more, yeah, uh, good point, right? Good yeah, point. Virginia is one uh, of the top four, and Pitt's yeah. mid-level. Mid yeah. yeah. sure. They haven't even played sure. the bottom ones. They might yeah. finish eighth. They might be in the tournament. <laughs> they, they may be in the top six, yeah. The way they played this weekend, possibly. possibly. Yeah. All right, right. All right, I got a couple. Uh, I got a couple here. Just Thank shout you. outs to the the nil nil crowd in the you know non power nine team of the week. Michigan, sorry, up in uh, Oakland, nil nil with Michigan State. Southern mm -hmm. Miss, nil nil with Ole Miss. Not to thanks, Brian. Thank you, Matt. Yeah, no yeah. problem. But for those smaller schools to get draws. <laughs> And note the scores, by the way, with people playing for draws. The old nil-nil yeah. draws a little different yeah. than you too. Um, but my uh, small school of the week or non-P9 of the week is UAB, another derby game. Oh, yeah. Sneaking yeah. up on the picker. 
Um, was looking at that. Yeah, and that's a great win for Erica. Very good coach. That team's extremely underrated. They've been much better in the results the last couple of years. That's a good team who might win Conference USA. Yeah. Is that who you open up with, Brian? It is not. I'm not. <laughs> not. You know what, Matt? I play them the last game of the year. So okay. Okay. I'm no okay. Matt Mott because yeah. I'm ready for your excited games of the week or whatever. Okay. Uh, okay. I didn't, I didn't know we could bring Neil Neal. I didn't know we could bring Ty Games in. I'll have my time next week over there. All right. No, <laughs> Irwin doesn't count. Not when you've done five in a row. <laughs> All right, here we go. Uh, upset of the week. I'm going to go with a pretty obvious one. Utah Valley over BYU. Right? Big four to two. Four to two. Four goals. I, I watched that BYU game against Arkansas. Now, I will say this. That was a track meet. Up and back and tons of mileage and running and sprinting and working and fighting. And, and then for BYU to go ahead and schedule Utah Valley the next day after. Right? So, they played them on Friday. I played Arkansas on Thursday, played Utah Valley on Saturday. Utah Valley didn't play on Thursday. But still, to go in there, to go to BYU in front of that crowd and and punch in four goals is is really impressive. So congratulations to Utah Valley. Um, you know, BYU is, is uh, on a bit of a skid, quite honestly. Like, you know, lost to Alabama, and then they drew with Arkansas. SEC's just dominating out there in Utah. And, uh, and then to lose to Utah Valley. So... Anyway, uh, my team of the week, Utah Valley. Uh, I, I knew we'd get an SEC plug in there, didn't you, Brian? <laughs> you, knew that was coming, you knew that was coming up, didn't you? Well, for my upset of the week, I am staying in the great state of North Carolina. What a surprise. Going, I, I'm going down east to East Carolina Pirates. So the Florida Gators come to town, okay? And we oh, know yeah. the Florida Gators that come to town, and East Carolina beats them two to one. So congratulations to uh, the, the Pirates for beating the Gators. As I'm sure it's a special event. But I think you, even that was almost my Power 9 team of the week. They're 5-2-1. and one. They're two losses. They opened up, lost to us, one nothing, lost at South Carolina, 2 nothing, and have and now have uh, their 5-0-1. So congratulations to the Pirates. Wow. Good one. That's a good, good one. Winner. You think that's the first East Carolina win over Florida on their campus in any sport ever? Yes. I bet it is. I bet yeah. it is. It's yeah. a big he's deal. doing a good job there, isn't he? He's done a great job. Yeah. His first year. He's done a he's done a great job. He made life miserable when we went down there, like going to the dentist. You survived, but it was not fun. Yeah. <laughs> and like, then never go back. And never go back. <laughs> Take a note to sell. Do not yeah. return to Greenville, North Carolina. All right, mine's oh, a lovely uh, place. It is. No ahead, mine's uh, Lehigh won St. John's nil. Lehigh Ooh. came into the game coming off a six-win season. One win so far this year over winless Siena and beat last year's where St. John's make the Sweet, Sweet 16. 16. That's played a, church, didn't they? Churchy played you. They did. They did. Yeah. Yeah. And sixteen. Lehigh is Patriot League, and I don't know this for a fact, but there's a chance that's a non-scholarship program that just wow. beats really. And there's a real chance they don't have scholarships. If they do, they are far from fully funded. So that's yeah. impressive. Great job, Lehigh. Yeah, it is absolutely. All right, Churchy, let's keep this thing rolling. Uh, big games of the week. What are we looking at? Conferences are starting. There's got to be a few good ones out there. There's, I, I've got a page of big games. I'm sorry. I just, I, I love big games. I'm sorry. So I'm going to fly through these. Real fly through them. 
Yeah. Don't put me to cut signal as we go through here. Okay. So, uh, starting up, South Carolina, Alabama. How about that one to start Huge. off? Huge. That's that's on one and two in the region right that's, there. That's, that's, that's South Carolina. Yep. No, it's at Alabama. Alabama. It's at Alabama. Ooh, Alabama. Alabama. One. Then we move up north a little bit. Providence and Brown will play each other. Um, and that will be a big game in, in that region. Then the ACC, we've got a big one down there. We have Notre Dame at Clemson. That's, Ooh, well, that's a ACC, good game. Yes. Really on a good round. Um, you've got another one. You've got Kansas at Florida Atlantic. I think will be a very, very good uh, well, game. Well, it's Florida Atlantic. Every every week, Florida Atlantic. No, no offense to Patrick, but. Kirchy, every every game Florida Atlantic plays a big game. <laughs> All sorry, right, go ahead. He's sending me money. He's wiring me. Okay, money. fair sorry enough. Sorry about that. Princeton, Princeton Hopster is going to be a big game. Oh, yeah. In their region, too. Pepperdine, Long Beach State. Um, and then rounding that out is what we talked about East Car- on, on Thursday, East Carolina is going to vis- visit SMU. On Friday, mm-hmm. got it. we've got a lot of big games. We've got the Bulldogs of Georgia going to Texas A&M. Mm-hmm. You've got Matt Mott. The Ole Miss mm. is going to Kentucky to open up the SEC play. Yeah, and then two, two, two teams I'm really looking at and I think will do a really good job, and this is going to start it off, is Pittsburgh's traveling to Blacksburg to play Virginia Tech. Oh. And I think that's going to be that, that's going to be an – What are you liking that one, Brian? Pittsburgh. Well, is Amanda Pittsburgh. West playing or not? She didn't play last weekend. It's part of that uh, VCU glory weekend. West did not play against really? VCU. So okay. she's not playing. Pitt is a total different team. Yep. That's trouble. Yep. So four games on Saturday. Um, Utah, BYU, which will be a bloodbath out, out west. Uh, West Virginia, West Virginia going to Georgetown. Uh, oh wow. I think that's another good one. And I think the highlight of all the games of the weekend will be the Virginia Cavaliers traveling down uh 85, 95 and going to Chapel Hill to play North Carolina. Ooh, opening weekend Ooh. in the ACC. And who's then, Duke uh, start out with? Uh, Duke is going to Syracuse and play Friday night. Okay. Hey, I got a good pizza place up there for you. Fantastic pizza place for you. I'll send it to you. Oh, it's fantastic. Thank you. And I think a really interesting game. How about Harvard going down to TCU? That is tasty. Wow. That is a good game. TCU has played an unbelievable schedule. They They have. They have. They have. They played a they played a great schedule. And they, then, they must have known the Big 12 was going to do what they've done, the rest of them. <laughs> <laughs> so let, there's about six six games on Sunday, real quick. Penn State at Indiana, Wake Forest oh. at NC State. Neil Neil. Wake Forest, NC State, night little state rival. UCLA going to Pepperdine. That will be an interesting Ooh, game. Yeah. Ohio State going to see Mike up at Rutgers. That will be Ooh, a good one. That's a good game. Yep. And uh and Stanford traveling just down the road to Santa Clara for a big uh-huh. Darby in the backyard. And the last one is LSU going to Nashville to play Vanderbilt. Oh, that is a good that one. That is a good one too. So there oh, that's TV, some good TV really watching good games. Yep. Yeah, good exactly. TV watching. Love it. All right. Um, that's good, Churchy. I think that's it. Uh Chris Henderson back on. He's gonna give us a breakdown. We'll see where he thinks the Duke Blue Devils. <laughs> are going to end up and everybody else uh looking forward to that um and we will see you back here next monday churchy good luck and with who you, oh syracuse pavonis pavonis okay. fantastic get you some slices all right and tell the boys this tell the boys matt said hi there's like <laughs> hey hey there's like four locations but they all know me they know exactly yeah. they may know me as dean that's true yeah. they know me as dean but pavonis they know lean dean yeah all <laughs> okay. right see, see you, you
Uh, <laughs> Brian, this is exciting. We're bringing in Dr. Henderson back in with us. Um, certainly the, the college soccer kind of guru, we like to call him, and, and all the information he has and puts out there for us and keeps us updated. I, I don't know what you would be doing, Brian, at 2 in the morning, but in about two weeks, every every Thursday night and Sunday night at 2 in the morning, I'm checking that damn RPI that he updates for us. So we appreciate that about him and the scores and all that you do. But and for the first time ever, we're bringing a guest back, you know, within about a month apart from when the season started to now. So, uh, Chris, how are you tonight? Pretty good. It's a cold day in Lafayette, so I'm not used ah. to that being this this uh, this cold this early. So, but otherwise, doing pretty good. Excited. What's the temperature? Uh, it is about like 60 today. Wow. It was raining a little bit too, and kind of windy. And it's been like yeah. 80 for basically months. So it's kind of a kind of a shock huh? yeah it's still hot as heck down here i'm ready for some cool weather maybe not quite 60 yet all right let's get to it what we're going to do for our listeners is um we're going to give chris a, a a league of the the power nine as we like to also have we could call it and he's going to kind of break it down where he sees so far kind of who he thinks uh is maybe the favorites and, and information he has on him brian and i will shoot him a couple questions um if we think of any that as we go through it um, and, and just try and go through these nine conferences to give people an idea of and what we think. And again, this is just our uh, our Chris's uh, opinions and certainly some of our opinions on on what's gone on in this first half of the season as we are right at the midway part. So let's open it up, Chris. <coughs> Excuse me. With the uh, Pac-12. Yeah, so I think the Pac-12, they're kind of in a really interesting position because um, – Looking at the RPI, and really the RPI is just like we're four weeks through, so it, it, you can't take it super seriously at this point. But like you said, we're pretty much halfway through games, so it is worth looking at it a little bit. But there's only two teams in the RPI top 30 right now, UCLA at four and Arizona State at 16. Um, you look at some of the other contenders like Stanford at 50, Washington State at 52, uh, and it's a situation where they're going to have to win a lot of games probably to end up on the right side of that cut line. I think just from what I've seen so far, I think UCLA is, is well ahead of the field. Um, I kind of broke things down into five different tiers in terms of, you know, where I play teams. Like tier one is basically national title contenders all the way to tier five, which is, you know, um, I don't know how to put it diplomatically, but, you know, <laughs> teams that are probably going to struggle, you know, in yeah. the uh, but I think UCLA, um, you know, I heard like a lot of people kind of whining that, well, oh, you know, they didn't have all of the control over the play. You know, they were second best against Duke and North Carolina. But the fact is they went on the road and they won two games. Yeah. Um, a tough place really, to play. It really says a lot. Yeah. Um, and I think I think Stanford, I probably would have had Stanford like right behind them. But like they them losing to Northwestern this past weekend kind of gives me pause. I mean, I've got them in the second tier where, you know, I, I think they've got a puncher's chance of getting into the college cup, but, you know, I think they're behind UC UCLA at this point. And then, and then I think it really kind of tightens up into tier three. I think the way I describe tier three teams is, you know, I would say three out of four times they're going to make the NCAA tournament as an at-large there. I mean, you have USC a little inconsistent. I think they they've shown some quality at times, but they've also, had a weird game or two. I know the opener against Purdue was really a weird one, um, but they, they've recovered mostly since then. Uh, Washington's impressed me a lot. You know, so far I think they've they've been much better on offense than they have in the past. 
Uh, Washington State, you know, I don't think they're where they were a couple years ago when they made that run to the College Cup, but I mean, they're decent. Mm-hmm. Arizona State's kind of the big mystery, having those couple of games canceled. They're high in the RPI right now, but I think them missing out on playing Pepperdine, I think that could be something that raises, you know, some concerns a little bit later on just because of the strength of schedule. And Colorado and Cal, I mean, both have had, you know, good moments, both have had bad moments. Um, I think they're going to be on the bubble just because the Pac-12, you know, the RPI doesn't really kind of favor teams out West. Uh, beyond that, I think Oregon, Utah, Oregon State, you know, they're kind of clumped in there in, in tier four where I would say they've got, you know, uh, uh, an outside chance of reaching the NCAA tournament. But from what I've seen, you know, I don't, I don't really fancy them that much. And then Arizona, I got them at the bottom. Um, I think they're improved from last year, but I, I just don't think, you know, in year two, they have enough to kind of compete with the upper echelon of the league. I'm with you. So <clears throat> let's just go through it again. Um, so one through whatever. So you said you say tier one, tier two is Stanford by itself. Yeah. Okay. Then tier three, give me those. USC, Washington, Washington State, Arizona State, Colorado, and Cal. I would say in that order. Um, But I mean, you know, sometimes I I would say, you know, plus or minus for a team that could maybe Mm -hmm. potentially be in a higher tier. I think USC would be a three plus just because they play the talent level. Could probably bump them up. I think, you know, you know, Cal might be a three minus just because, you know, they've struggled to get some results. Um, obviously, they beat Santa Clara yesterday. But, you know, before that, they were they were kind of had stacking up draws. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I mean, that's that's kind of yep. the direction okay. I would be looking at. And then Tier 4, you had? Oregon, Utah, and Oregon State. Yep. Okay. Um, all right. Brian, any questions in the Pac-12? Yeah, I do. And the, on that middle tier, Chris, if you were picking three of those teams – today to get bids who would it be um more projecting than on on current results more and yeah, i would say in terms of projection i would go usc washington and washington state all right love it all right let's keep going that was good big east uh yeah so uh if you do not like the big east this is probably going to be your ear because it's they're struggling <laughs> badly yeah um i mean i think I think they're just above 500 right now overall in non-conference. Um, and I think if I believe, I think they've got one more week in non-conference. So I think that may go up a little bit, but it's not been a good year. And I think, you know, you, you look at it realistically and I wonder if this is a single bid conference um, just because mm-hmm. you look at it right now. And I think <laughs> six of their teams are out of the RPI top hundred and wow. like the fall is at 239 and Villanova is at 331. Um, so that's yeah. basically it's going to be an anchor around you know a lot of these other teams even if they even if they even if they beat them you know the yeah. RPI is going to drop a bit. Um, I don't have any teams in tier one or t- tier two for the Big East, so I don't think anybody from the league is going to get within you know uh, like fifty feet of the College Cup in tier three. I would say Georgetown and Xavier. Um, no, I think Georgetown's kind of a weird one. You know, they've only lost one game so far, um, but you know I don't. And I think they've got some decent draws at Penn State, at NC State, pretty good. Um, I think they give a good account of themselves against Virginia. But, you know, you look at their wins, UMass, Lowell, Columbia, William & Mary, nothing super impressive right now. I think they've got a big crowd <laughs> at West Virginia coming up, you know, this weekend. I think if they I think if they beat them, I think 
you know, I would slide them up to like a three plus stat status or a two minus. Um, I think the other team that has, you know, a reasonable shot is Xavier. Uh, I think, I think the tough thing with them though, is they, them losing to Northwestern and St. Louis, because I think those two teams are going to be kind of in the bubble region. Mm. So, um, and they've got a win over Louisville, you know, win over Western Kentucky, that might be decent. Um, but I'm not really sure, especially when you, you dig into the rest of the Big East. I'm not sure if their their resume is going to kind of hold up if they don't win like most or all of their games in the Big East. Um, and then tier four, I have Butler. Um, I just, you know, I don't know what's what the issue is with them right now because they, they started off pretty strong. They beat Michigan, I think, like that first weekend, but then you know, they've lost four out of five. The offense really hasn't looked that great, you know, which which is concerning because they've got Katie Soderstrom, who's probably going to be a pro, you know, should be, you know, offensive player of the year. You know, <clears throat> it just hasn't really kind of worked out for them. Um, I don't really think their bubble resume is going to kind of stand up, you know, unless Michigan, you know, wins the Big Ten or gets close to it. Uh, and then, you know, beyond them, literally everybody else is in tier five. Uh, yeah it's a tough time for them for sure yeah seems like yeah chris tell me this after last year do you feel like the big east just overscheduled? i mean butler that's a murderer's row they scheduled how many of the teams i mean is it though like i would look at their i would kind of look at their schedule i think michigan's a super you know difficult game i think wisconsin's super difficult but you know looking at illinois and northwestern like coming into the season you know, I don't think I would have picked them above like mid to mid tier in the Big Ten. Yeah, um, and they beat them both last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I think both. I think you know, there's. I think circumstances kind of hit you know some teams. I think with Creighton because I think, you know, I had them Creighton kind of ranked in mid table and they're not doing that bad. They're 93 in the RPI right now, but I think they were. At, Ida Kardovic has not been starting for them. She missed some games early on, so I don't know if it's an injury thing with them. Um, but they're still four zero and four. Um, in terms of overscheduling, I don't know if it's that or if it's just you know this thing goes in cycles. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I think Providence would have been a little bit better, but Marquette, St. John, Seton Hall, DePaul. I didn't really have them rated super high. I thought Villanova may have. I would have picked them to have a little bit of a bigger bounce, you know, with with the first year coach, but um mm-hmm. you know for whatever reason it's it's you know just not seemingly coming together at this point yep all right let's go on to really interesting one i think is the big 12 yeah uh so i think the big 12 you know this, this is a good weekend to be talking about them just because i think they they, they finally started winning games they were kind of mm-hmm. really kind of way at the bottom of the power five you know in terms yep. of non-conference win percentage but they kind of went up a little bit there. I think this upcoming weekend is going to be crucial as well because they're one of the team or one of the leagues still playing non-conference. Um, so they really got to pick up wins just because, you know, TCU is number one in the conference right now in terms of RPI and they're, they're still 28. So, yeah, you know, that that's going to be tough. Um, and I don't think anybody's like a, like a big anchor at this point, but you know, you've got five teams out of the RPI top 75 and you know, there's only three teams in the RPI top 50. So once you take into account, you know, these teams beating each other, I don't really know how much room there is to kind of go up from where they're at. So, you know, I would say I don't see them getting more than three or four bids. 
you know, unless somebody gets really hot. Um, you know, in terms of tiers, I don't have anybody in tier one. Um, in tier two, I've got TCU. Um, I think it's going to be really interesting with, with TCU right now because they've got a one game coming up. Coming up, they've got Harvard. Mm-hmm. Um, I think I mentioned on social media we're you know we're going to know a lot more about Harvard's ceiling once they play TCU, and I think it could work the other way around. We're going to know a lot about TCU ceiling once they play Harvard, and they actually have a, a pretty difficult start to Big Twelve play. I mean, they're hosting Texas first game out, and then at Kansas for game two. Um, I think. You know, if I was if I was evaluating them right now, I think I think they could make the elite eight, but I just don't think they have kind of that extra gear to get to the last four. You know, at this point, um, so you know, I, I still have them as favorites for the league, but I don't think they're going to be playing on that final weekend. And I think it gets interesting beyond there. Um, Kansas, Texas, Oklahoma State are in my tier three. Um, I think Mark Francis is doing a great job at Kansas this year. They've got, you know, they've got um they've got a solid group of players i mean um they've got shira elenov you know is really impressed early on i think ryland shoulders is has been pretty good for them for a couple of years now um i think I, I don't think they have a superstar player but i think they're, they're really well rounded i think mm-hmm. you know it would not shock me if they end up you know finishing second maybe winning the big 12 tournament um texas is obviously the other team i think a lot of people are going to be talking about kind of in that tier um you know, the one thing I would worry about them is that their 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 kind of win profile right now is not super impressive. Um, I think their best win, you know, is probably over Gonzaga. Um, so they're playing Texas Southern and UCF this weekend. To me, to me <laughs> if they want to get a national seed, they got to win both those games. Mm. Um, but the talent's there. I mean, Lexi Musimo has been great. I think Liz Warden has been, you know, one of the one of the standout freshmen in the country um you know trinity buyers mj cox they've got the talent it's just Mm -hmm. can they consistently win in the big 12 um because if they do i think they're going to be dangerous you know in the tournament when we get to november um and i think the other team i've got you know in tier three right now is oklahoma state um five one and one um i think their win profile is almost even worse than in texas at this point um and i'm not really sure they're gonna get much help this weekend they play at home to Mercer and then they play home to Brown mm-hmm. almost kind of like with Texas. I think OSU has got to win both of those games, you know, to really put themselves in a great position. And then, you know, tier four, um, you know, West Virginia for me kind of on and off. I think I might've had them in th- tier three, but that draw to Pucknell yesterday raises oh. a lot of questions. I think the big thing with them is they've scored one goal in their last four. Um, I just don't think they have like the quality number nine, you know, it's going to take to to keep up with, you know, teams like TCU and Texas um, at Georgetown, you know, as we mentioned, talking about the big East, I think that's big for them. Also, if they can get a win there, I think it really helps them out. Baylor, um, you know, I think, I think the coaching change, you know, maybe a style change, you know, it, it's, it's going to take a little while. I don't really see them, you know, as an NCAA tournament team. Uh, and then, Bottom tier, Oklahoma, Kansas State, Iowa State. I don't think, you know, really anybody should be surprised, um, you know, at that tier at this point. Yeah. Iowa State beat Michigan. That was interesting, didn't it? Yeah, it's weird. They've beaten beaten two Big Ten teams and they haven't beaten anybody else. No. Crazy. uh, Chris, let me ask you this about the the Big 12. Let's say TCU is class of the league, runs the table, wins the tournament. 
Nobody else goes better than six and three. Are they a one bid league? I mean, it sounds really strange to say it just because, you know, you don't typically think of a power five as a one bid league, but you look at the win profiles of everybody, kind of the main contenders, and I don't really see a lot kind of on their schedule. Um, that would lead you to believe they're going to end up, you know, kind of, um, you know, on the right side of the bubble. I think, I think Kansas is the one team, you know, they beat Northwestern, they beat Iowa, beat Purdue. Purdue's really good in the RPI right now. Um, I think, I think Florida Atlantic and South Florida have a chance to be okay in the RPI. So I think if Kansas takes care of business, it isn't too bad kind of in league play. I think they've got a shot, but you know, you look at Oklahoma state and Texas and I think, you know, they better win games even the big 12. Texas has got the talent to do it, but yeah. All right. Here we go. Uh, about the Ivy league. Yeah. So, um, I think, you know, from what I've seen with the Ivies, I think Harvard's well ahead of everybody. I think they're, they're tier one, I would say tier one minus at this point. Um, you know, kind of like I said, uh, you know, earlier, I think, I think to me, they're the class of the league. I think they're one of the best. I think they're kind of somewhere in the top five, top 10, you know, in terms of where they are overall. Um, you know, I don't, I don't think they played like a top tier team like TCU yet, but you know, they, they passed every test. So far, I think they've got an amazing amount of talent. Um, the one thing I will note about Harvard is that they they pretty much got the hardest draw possible in the Ivy. They got Penn, Brown, and Princeton all the way. Mm. Um, so I wouldn't be shocked if they drop one of those games, but I think that I think they're going to win the Ivy League. Um, so I don't think they're going to have to worry about that large. Um, but I think for them, you know, they may need to come close to running the table to to stand a chance of getting that top two seed. Um, which is important, of course, for, for hosting for yeah. NCAAs. Um, I don't have anybody in tier two. Um, I think the rough thing with Princeton and Brown is that, you know, resume wise, you know, I, I'm not sure they're gonna there's gonna be enough there for an at large unless they beat Harvard. Um, and it's it's frustrating too, because I think if you if you would ask, you know, who are the top 30 at large teams, I think Princeton and Brown on talent are both gonna be in there. But Princeton, you know, they they had their chance. They lost to Rutgers and LSU by multiple goals. Um, I don't really see anything else on their schedule that's going to, you know, boost them up. I think Brown, you know, I think I think if they beat Oklahoma State at Oklahoma State, that's going to give them a little bit. But I think it's really touch and go. Um, so unfairly or, or fairly or not, I think the Ivy is going to going to be more likely than not a one bit league this year. Um, and then the other five I've gotten tier five. Um, you know, I, I, I like the talent Penn and Columbia have. I just, I just don't really see them, you know, kind of jumping tiers at this point. All right, here's, here's a crazy question for you. <clears throat> UCF plays Princeton. What is the, uh, what is the line in that game? Um, I'd probably say Princeton by half a goal. Where, where would this game be held at? UCF. <laughs> UCF. Princeton half a goal or or even, you know, from okay. my money. All right. Just a little 
question I had for you. Thank you, Chris. <laughs> Chris, I'm very pro IVs, and, and Matt is very pro at anybody yeah. academically in it. <laughs> Ryan, Ryan always is pumping the IVs. All right, let's go. Uh, any questions around the IVs? I mean, I, to me, it's straightforward. I completely agree. I think Princeton no. had their chance. And Brown's Brown scheduled to to have a chance in at large, but the teams haven't done well enough. Oklahoma State is only going to help them so much, even if they win. Yeah, I think losing to Ohio State, you know, that that was kind of the killer. Yeah, yeah no doubt. Okay. Uh, oh, everyone's favorite conference, the SEC. Yeah, it's a mess. Uh, <laughs> it's a good mess, though. It's it a good, good mess. mess. <laughs> I think, uh, you know, whoever – I will say this. Whoever did the scheduling for the SEC, I don't know if it was like some master plan or – or everything just fell into place. Whoever did that scheduling did a great job because basically 13 out of the 14 teams are in the RPI top 63. You know, the only team really out of it at this point is, is Florida. Um, so I think everybody's in it. Um, I would say, you know, I don't have anybody from the SEC in, in tier one at this point. Um, but I, I think in my tier two, I've got South Carolina and I've got Auburn. Um, I think South Carolina... You know, I really, I really kind of gravitate towards some of the results they've gotten so far. Um, you know, tied Clemson, tied Florida State, both of those at home. You know, so so that gives me a little pause. They tied NC State last time out, beat Virginia Tech on the road. Um, I think it's going to be a good result. So they're battle tested, um, and and you know, Shelly Smith, you know, always yeah. has that team ready to play. Always, you know, they they. You know, they're almost always near the kind of the top of the SEC. Um, mm -hmm. I think I think they're, you know, I would have I might put them two minus right at this point just because I want to see them, you know, get a big win, um, you know, over kind of somebody kind of in tier two or above. But I think I would say they, they may have the best shot to get to the college cup of anybody in the SEC. Auburn, um, you know, I think this is more respect for Anna Haddock, um, you know, than anything else. I think she's well on our way to become to to it's either he, her or Anna Potagil, um, you know, of Arkansas, who's probably gonna be SEC offensive player of the year. Um, but you know, I think the one thing with Auburn is that they're they're doing pretty well defensively. Um, you know, yeah, they gave up a goal to UMass Lowell and Sanford, but they haven't conceded multiple goals so far. You know, they got a draw at Florida State, draw at Wake Wake Forest. Um, I think that's solid. I just think, you know, they've got to have a consistent you know, person to bang in the goals. Um, because I think defensively they're solid. Anna Haddock's a great player. Um, you know, they're pretty good in goal with Prohaska. Um, so, you know, I, I you know, I, I think they've got a decent shot. I think they hit, if, I think if they kind of get on fire towards the end, you know, I've placed them kind of in two minus tier, but I think they're solid. And I think it's just, I think it's a log jam at tier three. Um, you know, I think, here, here are all the teams I have in tier three of the SEC. I got Tennessee, I got Arkansas, I got Alabama, I got Ole Miss, I got Vanderbilt, I got Texas A&M, I got LSU, I got Georgia. Um, so basically, that's that's eight teams. Um, <laughs> do I think ten teams are going to make it into the NCAA tournament from the SEC? Probably not. But I mean, if you ask me, is nine unreasonable? I don't think so. I mean, they've got the RPI right now to 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 kind of justify it. It's just a matter of you know who's going to end up below that 500 cut line, I think having all these draws is going to make that a little bit harder and, and you know, who, who can stay healthy and on form into the season. Um, even I think, 
I think Tennessee, you know, they're a little bit down from where I expected they would be. I don't think they're as good defensively as, as I might have hoped. Um, almost kind of the same with Arkansas, I think. You know, I think with Arkansas, Potashill is always going to be really formidable. I think, though, um, you know, I think they're leaking goals a little bit. I think giving up three to BYU in Provo is a little bit worrisome. Um, but, I mean, offensively, they're solid. And then, you know, I think Alabama, Ole Miss, Vanderbilt have all shown – pretty good flashes i think i think where i would kind of make the cut you know kind of in that tier is between vanderbilt and texas a&m i think i think with with me with a&m you know they got to prove it against the top flight defense i mean they're killing teams that they should be killing but the offense kind of dries up a little bit when they face the tougher defenses um and then lsu and georgia yeah i don't i don't think there's really anything wrong with those teams it's just you know i don't think they're as good as everybody else um they film flashes tier four, Kentucky, Mississippi State. Um, Kentucky's SOS strength of schedule hasn't mm. been great. Um, Mississippi State shown flashes. I just don't think they have enough to kind of boost up the tier three and then tier <coughs> four, Missouri and Florida, um, which is kind of where I had them at the beginning of the season. Okay. Chris, Matt and I were talking the other day, and he came up with a 2022 theme for SEC soccer. He said, SEC soccer, where mediocrity means more. <laughs> How do you feel about that? I mean, that's a little harsh. I mean, Matt, I think, Matt did not come up with that in any way, shape, or form. I know you're saying what mediocrity means. I think I think you're pointing towards the Big 12, if we're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I do mean. think, like, you did talk about nine or ten. And again, I, I'm with you. Like, I think if we could get a large number would be great. We're in a good position for that. But I also think some of these other leagues that are typically maybe two and three and four bid leagues are struggling. So we got to get, you got to get teams from somewhere. Um, I know. I think, so I think gonna SEC be is going to be a threat for 10. I just think they're going to be a threat for none of them to make the elite eight as well. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I, I'm with you on the tier one and tier two. I don't see a, I don't see a tier one. T- I, the, it's the beauty of the league because I do think, you know, you could very easily throw Auburn and and um, and USC right in that group of of the tier three teams. It's going to be a wild, wild, wild ten game. And and you're right, Chris. I think who stays healthy, who you miss, um, where you play him. You play him Thursday, you play him Sunday, you play him home, you play him away. It's going to be wild, no doubt about it. Because yeah, well, I mean, because we are very close. Too, what it means too is the SEC tournament's going to be oh, it's yeah. going to be huge because I think. I think you basically look anybody that makes it to Orange Beach, you know, or not Orange Beach. Now it's Pensacola. Pensacola, yeah. Uh, which is a change I do not approve, by the way. Of yeah, no. yeah, no one does. No one does. Yeah, yeah, but but I mean, if if you make the show, you've got a shot because I don't think I don't think anybody's going to really pull away. I don't think this is going. I don't think this is going to be the year where somebody runs the table, you know, in the yeah. SEC to kind of win the league title. And I will say this, Chris: if if uh, your podcast numbers keep going, maybe College Soccer Nation will send you. Pensacola for a weekend to, to report. <laughs> well, on, uh, you know, well, here, here's the thing. When I was in grad school, I basically, you know, after the first two years, you know, I basically paid my way down there for like mm. years three and four. And it was, it was a great trip. You know, my, yeah. my recommendation to listeners, if you haven't been to the SEC tournament, you know, put it on your bucket list. Go. Yeah. It is yeah. a great time. It is. It is. All right. Let's keep it rolling. WCC, very another very interesting league. I mean, that, it is a wild year. There's no doubt about it. But what do you think about the WCC? Yeah, so I don't think I have anybody in Tier 1 in the WCC. Um, but, I mean, this is one of my favorite leagues just because, you know, there's, there's a ton of talent. And it's usually, 
you know, it's usually, you know, the top level games in the WCC are great. Um, I think I have one team in tier two. I think it's Pepperdine. Um, it's really been interesting to kind of see the metamorphosis where like in previous years, it was kind of the case where, you know, teams would go to Malibu. They would put up tons of offense, but Pepperdine would find a way to win. Whereas now I think Pepperdine's getting more control of games and they're kind of being on more on the front foot and they're still beating teams. Um, I think they just have so much attacking talent. Um, you know, whether we're talking about Tori Waldeck, you know, Carly Giamona, um, you know, they, they've got a lot of attacking talent. Um, and I think, I think it's, it's, it's almost as much as some of the other teams being a little bit down this year as them being up where I think they're the, the, they're the standout team. Mm-hmm. And I think they're going to win that league and win the auto bid. Um, do I think they're a college cup team? I'm kind of grouped them in with TCU and tier two, you know, being, you know, maybe a step off, but I don't think anybody's going to want to play them, you know, early on, you know, in this tournament, um, moving on to kind of tier three, um, you know, I, I've got Portland. Um, I think, I think yesterday showed me a lot when they lost green ores to that red card and they, they managed to hang in for a draw against Washington. Um, to me, that speaks very highly of that team, mm-hmm. you know, getting that gritty draw against a really good Washington team. Um, so I think they're going to make the NCAA tournament. Um, and, you know, I, I think it's silly to talk about coaches, <laughs> here, you know, at this point, but if you're talking about coaches that have done a great job, I think Michelle French at Portland, you know, this year has done exceptionally well. Um, moving beyond them, BYU, um, I don't know what's wrong with their defense, but if they don't fix it, they're not going to make the NCAA tournament. Mm-hmm. Um, they've, they've just been shipping goals. I don't know if it's a back line thing. I don't know if it's a goalkeeper thing. Um, they got to sort it out because, you know, losing 4-2 on home pitch to Utah Valley, I think Utah Valley is a good team, but um, that's really worrisome. Um, yeah. Santa Clara, I think I think they kept their season above water, um, you know, when they beat Oregon, but, I mean, it's one win in what, like six? They played a really tough schedule, but, you got to put wins together. I think beating Stanford this weekend would go a long way, but if, if they don't manage that, they've got to win most of their games that are left. You and me play. Um, and then the tail ends, I think this may be wishful thinking by me more than anyone else. One else is, is Gonzaga. Um, I think, I think that loss to Texas when they were winning two nil just, just crushed mm-hmm. them. Um, you know, and I think, you know, with, with some teams, you kind of, do really well to get respectability. And I think Gonzaga kind of got there. I just think sometimes you end up banging your head against that ceiling for a while. Um, and I think that's kind of where Gonzaga's at as a program. I think they've got good players. I just think they're a little short. Uh, and then bottom two tiers, San Francisco, St. Mary's, the Pacific. Um, I don't really have a lot negative to say about those three teams. I just don't think they're as good as kind of everybody above them. I think this is the best San Francisco team since they got super close to winning the WCC one year. Um, I think they've played a lot of teams really hard. I just don't think they've got the staying power to kind of, you know, get a bit in the end. St. Mary's the Pacific, I think they both made positive strides in really kind of tough jobs. Um, but I think they're still a year away. And then tier five, Loyola, Marymount, San Diego, I think they're both improved. Um, I think they were both really, really bad last year, but I just don't think they've they, they've got enough to kind of hang with everybody else. So I think if you're asking me how many teams are going to get bids in the WCC, I think two for sure, and maybe three, but beyond that's kind of pushing it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Any questions to that, Brian? I agree. Brian, you're on mute. Do you know anything going on at Santa Clara? They had significant injuries. I don't. 
Um, you know, I think, I think, I think the thing everybody forgets is, you know, they had Alex Loera and Kelsey Turnbow for so yeah. long. I mean, yeah. those are they did they did lose their they did lose their center mid or center back uh to the U20 or U20 uh to our knee at, at national team camp. Okay. Yeah, who's was right. good, who was really a huge piece to that. Uh, well it makes sense game. too because they've yeah. they've haven't kept a clean sheet in the last yeah. six games. So that would kind of explain some things. Yeah, yeah. And she was good too. But no, I mean and look at the, I agree with you, Chris. Look at the run they made. Um, you know, and again, we all yo-yo to some level for sure. Um, okay. Uh, let's move on. Uh, the big one, ACC. Yeah, I mean, this is it's 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 going to be a fun ACC season. Uh, unless you're one of the few teams kind of towards the bottom of the league, it's just. Um, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised if we end <laughs> up with with everybody in the College Cup being from the ACC or like six or seven. You know, in in the last eight, it's just. I mean, it's going to be a brutal league. I think they just fell a little bit short of kind of the non-conference win percentage record of that the Pac-12 had in 2019, which I mentioned on Twitter. But, mm. you know, to me, I've got, you know, North Carolina, Notre Dame, and Virginia in the Tier 1 national title contenders. Um, I think, you know, North Carolina, pretty self-explanatory. I think basically take a drink every time, you know, somebody, you know, covering an UNC game says that Anson says this is the deepest team he's ever had. But <laughs> I don't think he's lying. I think – they've got talent all over the field and you know even though they lose you know a player like macy bell the injury for the season you know they're still so so deep um and i think i think it's gonna be tough for a lot of teams to kind of deal with that depth um you know as the season goes on i think i think notre dame i think my god i mean they're a top five team if you don't have them in, in your top five at this point you know i don't know what you've really kind of been watching the season because it's not like they put that 7-0-0 record together against a bunch of you know smaller teams they've been beating legit teams and they've been beating them badly mm -hmm. um i think they've got corbin albert who i think is going to be kind of on the short list for the herman trophy um you know the offense looks as, as dangerous as it's been in a long time um and and you know they're legit i think they're a national mm -hmm. title contender uh virginia um draw with vcu you know it seems like they always have that one game you know per year where you, you kind of wonder what happened but I just think there's too much talent on that team for them not to be kind of in the mix. Um, I just think the question is, you know, defensively, goalkeeping wise, they're going to be able to to kind of go the distance. But those are the three I have on tier one. Um, tier two, you know, I think Duke. Um, I probably would add them on tier one up until this past weekend. I think, you know, the alarms are kind of blurring with how they lost to North Carolina. Uh, I'm not. I'm not really saying Duke's a bad team. I think they're a very good team. It's just that. The way North Carolina handled them, I think, you know, kind of pushed them down to this tier. Um, I got Clemson um, at tier two, solid team. But, you know, I don't think, you know, a team that's going to be winning a national title is going to be losing by three goals to Alabama. Alabama's good, but, you know, Clemson yeah. should handle them if they're a tier one team. Then I got Florida State, you know, kind of on, on tier two. Um <laughs> You know, to me, it's a case of, you know, wake me when they when they beat an elite team. Um, you know, and, and I think the thing is their schedule is so backloaded. You know, they open up with Boston College, Louisville, Clemson, and Miami, kind of their first four games. So I'm not really going to know if they're kind of a tier one team until we get to kind of October. Uh, from what I've seen, very good team. I don't think they're a great team. I don't think they're on the level of, of kind of that upper tier. And then – 
Beyond that, um, tier three, NC State, Wake, Virginia Tech, and Pittsburgh. Um, I think I think they're solid teams. It's just they're a clear step down from everybody else. Uh, I think the thing with Pittsburgh, um, I'm not sure if they stick on tier three if Amanda West, you know, misses a lot of time. I think they're just so demonstrably different a team with her than without her. Um, if they if she's missing for the rest of the season or for most of the rest of the season, um, I don't see them making the NCAA tournament. If she's back, though, I, I think they've got a great shot at it. Um, tier four, Miami and Louisville. Um, you know, signs of growth. I think Miami's been much better this season than they've been with Sarah Barnes, you know, in the past. Um, but I mean, it's just it's just a crazy competitive league. I yeah. mean, they're gonna have to pull off you know, a couple upsets. And I, I I think, you know, I think if you're looking for upsets, I think Virginia Tech at home is kind of their big shot. Um, I think I think they really have to beat Louisville if they want to be considered for at large. I really think they have to beat Louisville, Pittsburgh, and Syracuse on the road, which is which is a tough task. Um and then tier five, um, Boston College, Syracuse. Um, I don't I don't think they're gonna be winning a lot of games in the ACC. Yeah. Um, you know, Syracuse um, you know, yeah, they're seven, one and oh, but their non-conference schedule is a joke. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think it was it was in the two hundreds when I looked at non-conference strength of schedule. And congratulations, guys, you're opening up with Duke and North Carolina. Um, <laughs> it, it's gonna be a rough road for them. Yeah. Um, and yeah, so those are those are kind of the way I've broken things down in the ACC. Love it. Brian, questions? No, really where I was going was the Miami thing with the opening at Louisville, at Pittsburgh, at Syracuse. I was going to ask you how many you think they need to win. And I kind of agree with three and pray Amanda West is out. They can- yeah, I mean, if, if they, they've got to go either 3-0-0 or 2-0-1, you know, in those games. I think, you know, if they lose two of those three, it's it's going to be rough just because, um, I mean, you look at – schedule. Yeah, you look at, you look at their back half of their schedule. I mean, they close with North Carolina and Virginia. You know, if, if they don't rack up those points early, it's going to be really tough. Yeah. I think it's going to be interesting what Duke does <clears throat> not playing Carolina in the league. So how does that how does that line up? And can they get pushed to the, the tier one line will be will be interesting to me. Because they they're talented. I mean, again, their two losses are to UCLA and UNC, but I agree with you, Chris. The UNC loss looks the game itself was not pretty for the uh, the Blue Devils. All right. Let's keep it rolling. AAC. Yeah. Um, not really that much to talk about in the AAC. Yeah. <laughs> it's that great of a league this year. They're almost, they're almost kind that. of in the same boat with the Big East, kind of in my opinion. Um, to me, though, I think SMU is clearly the best team, um, you know, in the AAC. Um, I would have liked them a little more had they had – they, um, you know, beating San Francisco and beating Oklahoma on the road. Yeah. Um, I think I think they got to show they can win on the road. I think the good news for them, though, is their road slate in the AAC is Temple, Houston, UCF, and Tulsa. Mm. Uh, you know, they should be able to beat three of those teams reasonably easily. I think UCF on the road is a little going to be a little bit tougher, but you know, they they get the harder games on their slate at home, which I think is definitely going to help. Um, and then. But I think when you move beyond them, I think it's, it's a lot of question marks. I think Memphis, um, you know, I, I just defensively, they don't have it. Um, you know, five to Virginia, it's understandable, but like three to three to Louisville, 
is going to be tough. Three to Ole Miss, you know, no disrespect, but I mean, None taken. you know, that's a Darby game. Yeah. So I, I would have liked, you know, them to, to put in a little bit better of a performance there if, if, you know, I thought they were going to be, you know, a team that's going to contend for a league title. Um, so I think it, I think it's tough for them. I think UCF's okay. I don't think they're great. Um, you know, defensively, they've been a little, they've been a little bit shaky as well. Uh, I, I think Cincinnati's kind of could be the fly in the ointment. I think defensively, when they're at the top of the game, you know, they're solid. I mean, they shot Michigan State out. Um, I think that commends a little bit of respect. So I think Memphis, Cincinnati, and UCF are kind of tier four at this point for me. I think somebody there has got to catch fire. Uh, but I think really SMU, if you're looking, if you're kind of ranking at large candidates, I think they're the best hope by far. East Carolina, Temple, South Florida, Houston, Tulsa, I think they're in tier five. I think South Florida is kind of a surprising th- team there. But, um, you know, for me, South Florida, they're, they're just way down this year. Uh, you know, losing to American, losing to Florida Atlantic. Um you know, really kind of raises the eyebrow. And I don't I don't know what it is with them. I don't know if it's an injury thing with them. I don't know if it's just, you know, some of their players need a little more time to kind of gel, but um this is as bad as they've been for a while. And and you know, yeah, I think, you know, it goes to show you how high the standards have been there because they've been yeah. nominal for like what half a decade. Um so I think I think they can afford a bit of a down year but I think their best hope is you know make that AAC tournament and try to catch fire in in November. All right Brian any questions on the uh, AAC? I just appreciate uh Chris settling a podcast debate. I've been on SMU walking to the AAC. Chris thinks they're France 98 and Matt says Cincinnati's going to beat them. So I appreciate you settling that argument. I believe he did say Matt. He did say Cincinnati could be a fly in the ointment. Did he not? He did. He did. I did catch that a little bit, but yeah. not at SMU late in the season. Uh, yeah. Uh, all right. No, I think that's. An, I agree with you. That league is. Uh, it's SMU and everybody else at this point for sure. All right, let's go. Uh, last but not least, the Big Ten, your hometown, home schools, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, so uh, RPI-wise, there's a pretty clear delineation between seven and eight. I think Purdue is currently seventh in in, in Big Ten RPI rankings at 27 overall. And then you got to jump all the way down to 65 with Illinois. Um, I basically look at the, the, the seven that are kind of in the bottom half of the RPI with the Big Ten. I think really the only team I, I, I would earmark as a contender there is Michigan. Um. You know, I don't, I don't really know what the SOS, you know, with Michigan's kind of doing them dirty right now. But, um, <laughs> you know, I, I think they're going to have to make up some ground. But I think the good news is they can score goals. I mean, they put seven up on Toledo, seven up on Central Michigan, six on Boston University. I think defensively they're a little more wobbly. But, um, you know, if you're asking me who out of that bottom half of the RPI in the Big Ten can make the move, I think it's Michigan. Uh, tier wise, I think Rutgers and Penn state are just way above everybody else right now. Um, I have them both on tier one Rutgers is kind of a weird one just because everybody's so used to them being like defense first, you know, not afraid to beat you one nil. And then you look at their passing numbers this year and, and, you know, they look more like Virginia or, or mm-hmm. Stanford or some of these other teams that are keeping the ball. So, um, I think it's going to be interesting to see if they kind of keep that up, uh, you know, when we get to kind of league play. 
Um, but they've been outstanding so far. And, and I, and I posted on Twitter yesterday after I saw them come back from like a two nil deficit to beat LSU three, two, you know, that's part of a champion stuff. It's stuff that's every team's got to have one or two of those games where, you know, it's against, it's really against them and they got to find a way to get a result. And they did. Um, So I think, I think Rutgers to me, you know, has a legitimate shot at winning a national title. Uh, we're going to know a whole lot about them early on because they opened with Ohio State and then at Penn State. So mm. um, if they beat those two, I think they've got a good shot at running the table, which which sounds kind of crazy for, for like a Big Ten team, but, you know, they're really good. Um, other team I got lumped in there is Penn State. Um, you know, I think Penn State are good. You know, I would probably say, you know, they're, they're in the one minus kind of tier category right now just because I saw Stanford handle them pretty reasonably well, you know, a couple of weeks ago, but um, they pretty much passed every other test. They beat Georgetown, beat West Virginia, beat Monmouth, you know, beat Santa Clara. Um, I, I, it's just, you know, can they beat Rutgers, you know, mm-hmm. in the league and in the big 10 tournaments? Uh, and then I don't have anybody in tier two. I think, you know, tier three, um, you know, Wisconsin. Now they beat Northern Illinois, today i have no idea why they're playing on a monday afternoon i don't know if something got rescheduled but you know they're five one and two right now it's just that the value of their win profile is not very good um so that might hurt during seeding and then they got waxed pretty handily by notre dame at the beginning of september um but i think they're the class of everybody else um ohio state solid northwestern solid michigan state michigan solid um do i think any of those teams are going to make it out of the sweet 16 not really um, but I think they've got a reasonable shot of getting to the NCAA tournament. Um, tier four, Iowa. Um, you know, they had their shot, uh, but they just haven't been able to capitalize. I think if you were talking about them as a legit at-large candidate, you know, they, they really should have beaten Kansas, should have got a win against Pacific, should have beat Baylor. Um, lose against Ohio State, uh, not Ohio State, Iowa State is is, is really bad as well. Yeah. Um, so they're really going to have to scramble, you know, to make the NCAA tournament. They're going to have to win, I'm guessing, you know, maybe six or seven games in the league, which is a tough ask. Illinois is kind of in the same boat. Um, you know, they're a team that, you know, they beat Butler, but at the same time, you know, how much is that going to count for at this point? Uh, and then tier five, um, Purdue, Nebraska, Indiana, Maryland, Minnesota. Um, you know, um, I think, I think, I think, Indiana is kind of the weirdo team this year because they've got like they've they've I've read and I posted this on Twitter they've already broken the league the the NCAA record for zero zero draws and we still got eight weeks to play <laughs> um so it's and the weird thing too it's not a case where they're missing chances it's they're not creating anything um so I think it's tough there um I think I think the one team everybody would argue about is, is Purdue who's I think like twenty seven you know in RPI right now but you know, they, they, to me, the, the result that raised a lot of red flags is the win against Kansas state. Uh, I think Kansas state put up something up like three XG against them. Um, you know, Purdue. Yeah. They, they, they spent, you know, I think like a half, like a player down after a red card, but I mean, it's, it's tough. <laughs> it's, yeah. it's really tough. Um, you know, envisioning them considering how bad they've been defensively kind of, I don't, I don't think they're going to finish at 500, which kind of wipes them off the board. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's that's my opinion on the Big Ten. All right, good. Um, all right, your final four. If we had to, if we had to have it halfway, Mark, who is it? 
Uh, my final four at the halfway point um, would be North Carolina, Notre Dame, Rutgers, and I'm going to go with UCLA for that fourth spot. Who is it before? Who is your fifth one? Uh, fifth would probably be Virginia. Yeah. All right. Love it. And the winner is? Oh, Gary, North Carolina, who hosts it? Um, I don't know. I don't know if Anson's brainwashed me or not, but I'm going with North Carolina. <laughs> yeah. uh, I just, I just think I, they're so deep. Yeah. Uh, you know, and and I've been saying it for the better part of a year, but Avery Patterson is is such a great player. I think they've missed a player like her who I think can can score all those clutch goals. Yeah. Uh, it's ridiculous that she hadn't won any type of honor coming into this year. Um, and I, I think she's had big goals for them this year. And um, I, I think they've got enough to get it done, you know, in the end. Yep. All right. Brian, any last questions for Chris? Fantastic, nope. as always. Nope. Very Love helpful. You, we appreciate hope, it. Yes. We hope you don't get any hate mail. Uh, but no, I think it's no. pretty spot on. Pretty spot on. Um, no, we really appreciate it. We'll check check up with you probably in two two and a half weeks. See how we're doing. Um, get another update as the the uh, RPI um, you know machine it was really cranking and people are going to be real interested. You know, last time we had John, we got great great numbers, and I'm sure we will again. Uh, so appreciate you coming on. Great job. Um, stay warm up there in Lafayette, and again, College Soccer Nation appreciate you. We'll talk to you soon, Chris. All right, thank you. All right, Brian, always very insightful. The work that guy does is unbelievable. It's That's unbelievable. It's, he's spot it's, on, though, isn't he? Yeah, he is. You know, a lot that we talk about. Yeah. We really, uh, a lot a lot, of, a lot of agreement going on for sure. Um, but we appreciate him coming on. And, and again, we'll get him up. We'll catch up with him in a couple of weeks for sure. Um, all right. Uh, last thing. What are you looking forward to this week? Start a conference play. Let's go. It's time. Who it you got? Time. I don't know. We've got a little trip down to Texas, San Antonio, a little river walk action. With okay. The, the high flying fighting Pittman's. Derek Pittman's doing a great job. Maybe they got one loss. And then on Sunday, we get FIU back at home. Okay. All right. Nice. Yeah, we Kentucky, are, this is a one or a two game weekend in the This SEC. is Kentucky one game weekend. One oh, off. Nice. We got to go up there. And, uh, and uh, it's always a tough place to play. And they're doing a great job. And they have a great three front. Um, so it's gonna be tough for us, but I'm looking forward to it. It's time. It's time. We've uh, had enough of this non-conference nonsense. Let's get into the conference play and and see what happens. I think our league is going to be uh, fascinating. Is the word I keep using? Fascinating. It, it is. And you know, Ole Miss is not afraid of the four three uh, barn burner. So <laughs> we are not. We are up. not afraid of that. We are not afraid. Um, all right. Sounds good. Thanks, uh, Churchy, coming on. Chris, Dr. Chris Henderson. I, I really feel bad when people have a PhD, Brian, you should recognize it, but he is, he is, uh, yeah, yeah. I definitely have a PhD in life actually. Yeah. You're um, like a Dr. Mon, uh, Chevy Chase and spies like us, doctor, doctor. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There you go. Um, I don't know what he's talking about. He's gone delirious. All right. College soccer nation people. I know it's been long. Appreciate it. Darren. Thanks for producing this. We'll see you guys next Monday. As always. College Soccer Nation is out.